Oh, you switch. And then we just switch. Now we're all the same. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Pastor Jason. If you can make your way to your seats, we're going to go ahead and get started. Now, you're not in trouble. Yes, there's two pastors and a worship leader on stage. That's the beginning of a good joke. Two pastors and a worship leader on stage. A future pastor. Yeah, and a future pastor, we'll say. No. Yeah. Don't you put that evil on me. Don't put that evil on you. <laughs> Now, I, you know, we've been doing a series of sermons called Incorporated for those that don't, uh, I feel weird sitting down, by the way, I just want to let you guys know that, so if I jump up and start walking around, you'll know why. But, um, so we've been doing a series of sermons called Incorporated, and it's how to incorporate uh, Jesus into everything you do in your life. If you're, if you're here today and you're a Christian, then, and what that means, uh, for those that may be questioning, what that means is that you've accepted Jesus Christ for what he has done on the cross for you and uh, his sacrifice that he made for us. But if you're here today, what we've been talking about is how do we incorporate, how do we change our lives? If we're a Christian, our lives should be completely changed. If we believe something, then we need to believe in it, right? If, if our faith is in Christ, then, then it should change who we are. It should change people. When we come to know Jesus as our Savior, when we come to realize how he is, it needs to change everything that we are and everything that we say that we are and everything that we do. The last few weeks, we've gone over many different things from uh, family to church to uh, finances to government and all of those things and how all of those situations should change when you give your life to Christ. Today, we're going to talk about the work uh, workplace. And I couldn't think of a better way to do this than have these two guys on each side of me uh, join me in this discussion because they are representing... Uh, represent- you like that? Wow. Like that. That's, That's all, folks. Uh, no, they are repre- representing uh, Christ in their workforce today, in each one they do. And it's, and it's uh, similar to uh, a lot of you out there and a lot of us out here. We can, we can choose what we want to do in our, with our faith. But our faith should change, and our faith should be different, and, and it should make us different. And if you can flip over to the slide, if you have your book, uh, if you have your book, if you have your Bibles... Turn with me. Belinda's not even here. I can't say, see, that's, that's my uh, teaching voice that I say. If you have your book, turn with me to this page. No, if you have your Bibles, turn with uh, to the Ephesians chapter 2. Can you, thank you. Starting in verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, before we pray, I want to just ask a question for you. You know, I, I have heard this verse a hundred times and, and have talked about this, and there's many different things, and, and I want to break this down, uh, and then we'll go to prayer, and then we'll begin this discussion with these guys here. But, you know, there's this interesting thing. When, when Paul writes, for we are his workmanship, you are created by God. Whether you believe in him or not, you are created by Jesus Christ. You are tra- created by God, the Trinity, and you are created in his image, and uh, when, we, when we understand that, that we are created like him, it changes everything that we are. It should change everything that we do. You should not be a Christian and not, look, and, and not act differently when you give your life to Christ. You, not, you must change the way that you act and the way that you talk and the way that you walk and the things that you do. God should make a difference in your life. But, Miss Tanya, that's okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amen, walk sister. 
<laughs> so we are created in his workmanship, created by, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this verse, I've read this verse a hundred times, and like I said, I always thought about this verse as God has prepared this wonderful work for me to do. And this wonderful, I, I thought of this mission, and I thought about feeding the poor and helping people that need help and building houses with Habitat for Humanity and doing all these things. All of this runs through my mind, right? This is the work that God has created in me to do. The problem with this is that it isn't just good works, and when Jesus does say good works, or Paul says good works, but what he's talking about is not just the works of like helping someone out and feeding the poor, and helping someone who's hungry. What he's talking about is all the work that you do, which includes your labor, your job that you go to. All of us in here, just by raising a hand, are you either working a job or are you retired from a job? If you are, raise your hand. That should be all of us, except for the younger ones and a few others, right? So we're all working a job, what, and we're all doing something. Even if you don't work on a job, I know there's a few that didn't raise their hand, uh, your parents will get you to work, or your kids will get you to work, one of the two, right? So you are working, you're just not working in the workforce, so to speak. But when we do this work, we spend a large amount of time. We, on average, I was just asking, uh, Chaz, on average, how many hours a day do you work? <laughs> Twelve. Twelve. Corey, on average, how many hours a day do you work? Uh, Probably 12. Wait a minute, did you, did someone say zero when, when they asked? Someone said zero for Chad, that's funny. <laughs> no, how many, I, I, if you spend 12 hours of work, you're going to be working a lot, right? Most of us in here work at least eight hours a day, if not more. Sometimes 10, 11, 12, sometimes more. Eight to 12 hours is the average, the average length. How many hours do you actually spend at home? Anyone ever figure this out? Not enough, right? That's what someone said, not enough. The majority of the time that you spend as a human being is spent in work. Now, if God has called you, I, I know that that's a, it's a depressing thought. I'm here to lift you up. I know, I'm sorry, okay? I hear the mumbles and the grumbles. Oh, 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 I hear it, and I know. But if the majority of the time, though, you spend on your job, you can't divorce your faith when you go to work. Now, I know some of us would like to, right? Some of us get on our job and we're like, oh, I can't put up with these people and I want to call them all kinds of names and I want to say all these things and I just want to lose my mind and hit someone over the head with a helmet. Yes, I did say that. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> okay, I went a little too far. All right, but no, hopefully no one's doing that on their jobs, right? Don't be taking off your work helmets and bashing someone over the head, right? The simple fact is this. If you spend the majority of the time on your job, you can't not be a Christian on your job. If you're here and you're calling yourself a Christian and you give your life to Christ, then your job should be a big mission field for you. Dallas Willard had one of the greatest uh, things that he ever said in his book. If you can flip back to that, uh, please. I, I'm old because I can't read that back screen still. It says, but it says, to not find your job to be the primary place of discipleship is to automatically exclude a major part, if not most, of your waking hours from life with him. The gospel turns your work into a spiritual formation training center. This is by a gentleman by the name of Dallas Willard. Now, here the simple fact is this. When you are on your job, you have an opportunity to share Christ. You have an opportunity to be a Christian on your job. And what I want to ask these guys first is what does being a Christian on your jobs look like today? Yes. Well, being a Christian 
this on? Is this on? Okay. Cha, cha, cha. All right. Being a Christian um, on my job means uh, focusing on reflecting Christ in everything I do. Um, Have an attitude of, um, you know, everything that I say and do is going to be, um, it's going to influence the workplace. It's going to influence those people around me. And that really, uh, 100% uh, of ministry is this, influence people for Christ. So my thoughts and my objective are to, to influence um, through what I say and through what I do. Very good. Can you tell everyone where you work and what your job is? Yes. Uh, I work at Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company in Akron, and I'm a machine repairman. I've been there for 25 years. Awesome. Corey, can you answer that question? What, do, what does it, oh, First of all, where do you work and what do you do? Yeah, uh, I work for FedEx Freight. I'm an operations supervisor, so I work our outbound shift. So I'm on the dock yelling at guys, telling them uh, what to do, where to put freight, you know, move faster, that kind of thing. Um, what was the, the actual question? I'm sorry. The actual question. <laughs> the actual question was, how do you incorporate Christ on your job today? How what do does I it mean yeah, to be a Christian? Um, so, you know, for me, it's all about being a reflection of Christ itself. Um, it's not always the most appropriate thing to be a, a preacher at work. Um, you know, the bottom line is when you're at work, you're supposed to be doing your job. Um, and, you know, if you are preaching at your job instead of doing your job, I honestly believe that's, you know, grounds for no longer working there. Um, but by being a reflection of Christ and displaying Christ-like characteristics to people, uh, I feel that is the best way to share Christ in your workplace, kind of get people wondering what's so different about this guy. Um, you know, especially when it's 20 degrees on a freight dock and everyone else is um, not being so Christ-like, um, keeping yourself you know, above that board and keep them positive and and treating people with respect and as Christ would treat those people. Um, That is how I try to reflect Christ in my workplace. Yeah, and I like the comment that he said. Did you you hear what he said? He said you can't uh, necessarily share Christ on on company hours, right? I mean, you're all called to get a job, and and you're all called to work a job and do something. And I completely get that. But what, what Corey said, which I love, is he reflects Christ without even having to say a word. Now, my question to both of these guys is, do you guys think that a Christian should be the best uh, employee that a company has? We'll start with Corey. Uh, absolutely, I do. In First, Christ, uh, first, first Christians, First, first Corinthians, um, you know, Christ calls everything that we do, we do for the glory of God. And, um, you know, we have a, a saying on our shift, all of our, our leadership, we expect excellence not perfection. Um, And part of that is also what Christ expects from us. He expects excellence in everything that we do, not just the the work that we're doing for for church. Can you restate the question, please? I was focusing on what he was saying. What was the question again? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's for lunch? That was the question. No, the question was, should, should employees be the best Christian yes. a company okay. has? Okay, and I had to be refreshed. Because I'm getting older, thank you, Amy. <laughs> uh, 
50 plus years. Uh, anyway, so yes, um, I think that um, from what I've experienced in my Christian life, that uh, a, a real goal is to be successful in what you do on the job because people aren't going to listen to people who are not successful. I mean, if Christ is alive and well in me, um, and I give it my all, I give it my best, and uh, Christ does the rest, then I'm going to shine. It's, it's inevitable. Um, and, and so I try to uh, be successful in what I do, and successful, successfulness itself uh, draws people. Um, and I, I think that, uh, I mean, to, to piggyback on something that uh, Corey said, you know, we're not there to preach I'm not there to preach the gospel, but I'm also I'm there to live the gospel. But sometimes, w- when it's appropriate, you can share Christ. You mm-hmm. can share a gospel message. I mean, obviously, you're not going to do it what, right in the middle of you know everybody's working and you're you're standing there sharing Christ. That's not the right way to do it. But the right way to do it is um, people will ask questions. And if you're on a break or if you're on lunch and uh, you know somebody wants to. Uh, seek you out, or you could, or, or God leads you to somebody who needs to hear the gospel, needs to hear something about Christ. Um, I think it's totally appropriate to do that. Yeah, I spent. Uh, for those that don't know, I spent 20 years in the business field, uh, serving as a director of e-commerce for uh, several different companies. And one of the things that I always did was my cubicle walls were always open. Well, they always are open because there wasn't a door, right? But but I used to say all the time, my my I, I always have an open door policy, meaning that if you are suffering, there's something, or you needed help, you're more than welcome to come in. And one of the things that I find interesting, you know, my job was a little bit different than these two guys. These guys work out on the dock, and, and he works out in a, in a manufacturing facility, and so he, it's a little bit different. For me, I was in an office space, and so what I was able to do is I said, listen, if you have problems, just come by. And I would be busy. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't distract. It doesn't uh, discount my work. It's not like I couldn't, uh, that I didn't have work to do. But when someone came by and they said, listen, I'm really having a hard time. My wife and, and, and I were fighting last night, or my kid's sick, and I don't know what to do. You know, I'd say, come on in. And my doors were always open for them to come in and sit down. And the reason why is because I am supposed to reflect what Christ does. Christ always had time with people. Do you understand that? He always had time for people. If you read Scripture, he, he took his time. He, when someone came to him to talk with him, he, he stopped and he spoke with them. Today in the culture that we live in, both in the business world and, and manufacturing facility, it is so hard for us to take the time to listen to other people because it's a fast-paced uh, world that we live in. Everyone wants something as quickly as possible. The truth of the matter is that we need to stop, we need to slow down, we need to pause, and we need to be open to hearing those discussions from other people. You know, uh, Chaz mentioned something about doing, uh, you know, at lunchtime and, and breaks and those types of things. One of my favorite things to do and. and um, with a good friend of mine is that we had a Bible study together and we opened it up to anyone in the company that wanted to come. Now we were lucky to have an hour lunch break during the day, but we would open that up and we would have it and anyone that was welcome to come could come. They could come whether they believed or not. And we had many people who didn't believe in in Jesus come and sit down with us and had conversations with us because they wanted to see how we would, uh, first of all, a lot of times they come just to to, uh, argue with us, which is fine. Uh, I I like a good uh, discussion every once in a while. But a lot of times those people would come in and they would sit down with us and they would have a conversation and want to hear about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Christ. Why do we do this? Why do we follow Christ? Those are all questions that people are asking every single day on your job. 
And again, we can't divorce ourselves from our faith. If we are Christians, we have to live our faith not only on the job, but every single thing of our life. And that's why this whole message about being incorporated is so important, because we have to incorporate our faith in everything that we do and we say. Can, can I add something? Go to right ahead. Something you just said there. So one of the, the key things that he picked out there was when he mentioned you cannot divorce your faith when you walk into the workplace. Uh, so when I first started my career with FedEx, I did that. I, you know, FedEx at the, the place I was in, I was working for Custom Critical, which was an office kind of job. And they were very pc you can't say anything that might offend somebody. Uh, you can't share, you know, your view if it's different from somebody else. Everybody has to get along. Everybody, everybody is right. Everybody gets a ribbon. You know, don't say anything that will even have the slightest possibility to offend somebody. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went in there and I would divorce my faith when I stepped through that door. It was almost like taking off. A mask or putting on a mask, I should say. I walk in there, I put on my professional work environment mask, and everything is work from there on out. I attended um, a conference, what was that, two years ago? A year ago. A year ago. Mm-hmm. That it, it was very interesting because this conference, it was all about sharing your faith in the workplace. And one of the things that I, I quickly found out is when you have a bunch of um, staff pastors, I mean, absolutely no offense of this. A lot of them don't. My, my first initial thought was you have no idea what the workplace is like today. You sit in your cozy church office, you sit at a Cracker Barrel for eight hours a day. Um, you don't supposed to tell those secrets. Inviting people in. You, know, you don't know what it's like to work for a company that doesn't necessarily encourage sharing your faith, encouraging different ideas. Um, you know, there were a couple people who were talking who were CEOs of these companies that mandated Bible study time. And I'm sitting there, and here I am, I'm just a, a peon on a desk, and I'm like, what, what good does this do me? I can't mandate Bible study time. You know, that, that would not go over very well. I would probably be walked, walked out of the door at that point. Uh, but what I did realize is I started sharing who I was with people. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, whenever we would do the icebreakers and stuff like that, you know, I would never share that I led worship at my church. After that conference, I, I kind of got the, the courage to share a little bit about who I am outside of here. Like, oh, I lead worship at Passion Community Church. And you would be amazed how many other people in your workplaces have similar experiences. Uh, There were people who I worked with, colleagues of mine, who led worship as well. And through that conversation of just kind of having the boldness to step out and in an icebreaker, it's not like I'm standing up and being super preachy or anything like that. During an icebreaker, I simply say, oh, I lead worship at the church I go to. I'm able to connect with somebody else. And then somebody else is able to connect with that person. And then next thing you know, you kind of, you form this social net of people who share these same values of you. And the point of that is, you know, not to be clicky or anything, but the courage of one person can have somebody else to have courage and step out. And the next thing you know, people are coming to you. You know, you can't have that open um, 
door policy and people coming with you if they have no idea who you even are. Uh, so that would be the, the biggest thing that changed my workplace ministry is simply having the, the courage and having the faith to step out and say, you know, if someone asks you, what are you going to do this weekend? Oh, I'm going to church. People are going to go, you're doing what on Sunday morning? At what time? And giving up all this? And then that can lead to different conversations. And not that you can't have conversations with people at work. That wasn't at all what I was trying to say. Right. Um, you just have to be, be careful about how you go about it and make sure that right. you know, it's a, a welcomed transaction. Yeah, and I'll share a real quick story with you that's really funny. It kind of highlights a little bit what Corey's saying. Um, for, many, uh, for many of you who know that I teach also. Um, Belinda has got me into teaching at different places. And, and a few years ago, I was teaching at, at um, Fortis, which is a two-year uh, college in Ravenna. And I do not tell my students that I'm a pastor for, for two reasons. One is that, and I know it's true with all of you, and I know it's true with everyone, as soon as I say I'm a pastor, they can go from using every word in the book, right? <laughs> and then when you say you're a pastor, oh, isn't it just a blessed day today? Uh, yeah, it is a blessed day, but that wasn't the words you were using before that, right? <laughs> and so be real, right? I want people to be real with me. And it's, and it's actually, can I be completely honest with you? It's harder for me to share my faith with people as a pastor than it was for me in the workforce. And sometimes I wonder about whether I made the right decision because I can't impact people today as I impact, I, I have to impact people differently today. The way I impact people is through the church. I equip the saints. That's what my job as a pastor is to do. But before I became a pastor, before I became only a pastor and I worked in the workforce, I was able to share my faith with people much easier than I can today. And the example I'm going to give to you is I never told any of my classmates, uh, my students, that I was a, a pastor. And one of the, uh, in one of my classes, there was, no, there was only one person in the class because everyone was sick or didn't come. And so we're sitting there, and she's, uh, this young lady says, I just want to have a conversation with you. And I said, okay, let's have a conversation. And she begins to literally share Christ with me. Now, I have to under, you have to understand, she doesn't come from the same place that I come from, right? Uh, she lives a different lifestyle. She lives different people. And so the way she was care- sharing Christ with me was way different than what I would ever dream of, using words that I never use. And but she was able to share Christ. I wish I could say some of them, but I'm, I can't say what I'm saying. I can't tell you exactly what she said. But she did an absolutely beautiful job of sharing her faith with me. And she's sitting there and she's telling me all this. And all I want to do is say, "Yeah, I know I'm a pastor." But I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds great." And she's she's in her own beautiful way sharing her faith, her colorful, beautiful way. Yeah, her colorful, beautiful way sharing Christ with me now. As I sat there and I talked and I thought about that, I'm thinking, I should tell her I'm a pastor. But then I'm like, no, I don't want to. I just want to, I want to see how far this will go. So for 10 weeks, mind you, I pushed it with her. And every week she'd come in, I'd ask a different question. You know, you said this last week. Huh? And, and so at the end of 10 weeks, she comes to me and she goes, it's time for you to bleep, 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 accept uh, Jesus. And I said, <laughs> Okay. She goes, we're done after this week. So if you don't do it now, this is your last chance. You're going to die and go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. <laughs> and I, 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 was, I was laughing, you know. But I, I stopped and I said, I, I told her, I said, uh, you know, I told her her name. And then I said, you know, you have to understand that I'm a Christian. I said, I'm, not only am I a Christian, I'm a pastor. And I, I have a church. And she goes, what? And she, well, she didn't say what. She said something else. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
uh, something like that with more colorful words, yes. But my point in being in this is that no matter where you're at, if you're called and you believe in the Great Commission, you are called to share your faith. If you believe that you are a Christian today, if you believe that you've given your life to Christ, then your job is your ministry field. You don't have to leave your job and become a pastor to share Christ. In fact, it's better. What I just said to you is true. It's better that you don't leave your job. We need people who are going to be ministers and pastors and lovely people who are different, who are reflecting Christ on their jobs today, no matter what they're doing. Right. Whether that's uh, doing DoorDash or whether that's uh, working in a in a uh, in a you know consumer service center, or whether that's on the freight docks, or whether that's in a maintenance building, it doesn't matter. We need people who are going to share the faith, and they're going to do it, and they're going to love people because we can't reach those people. I can't reach those people as a pastor. They're not going to listen to me, but they will listen to you as they interact with you with life. I want to ask Chaz a question, or start, and I'll ask you too. You asked about your, uh, when we were talking about this, we talked about influence and where it should aim. And so let me ask you a question. When you share your influence on your job, is it only for the people below you, around you, or who is it that you share your faith with? Well, your the influence, influence, the influence um, should impact 360 degrees. Those above us, um, those who work underneath us, if we're... Uh, if you are a, uh, like Corey is a, a manager, a boss or whatever, there's people above you, there's people below you. And um, your uh, influence for Christ should reach to the highest levels. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, um, how much different would your workplace be if you were at the top of it? If you were running this show? How much more influence for Christ would you have if you were the one calling the shots? So it's a challenge. I, you know, it's a challenge for us to, to rise to the, to the top of your field, whatever that is. And, and I think that's just showing uh, excellence and, and perseverance and commitment to who you are and who Christ is in you, that you would do your best and that would pro- find you getting promoted. I, I remember, Corey... Uh, starting at FedEx and everything, and the promotion and promotion and promotion to come, it's because he's diligent doing his job, and he's doing it for Christ, and so that he could gain influence on FedEx. Well, what a great thing if he would be the uh, CEO of, of FedEx, um, and then the whole culture of FedEx would change. Well, that would be a really great thing. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So a lot of a lot of times we shrink from influence those who are in positions higher than ours because we're afraid. And I'm going to tell you a story real quick. My boss, uh, God bless him, God bless you, Al. Um, his wife uh, was very, very sick. Um, she was in a hospital uh, in, and in a nursing home for over a year. And um, man, I just felt like I needed to go in and, and talk to my boss and pray for him. I said, I said, boss, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, sure, please do. You know, so you never know if I would have been afraid to go to my boss and say, hey, boss, can I pray? You know, it never would have happened. And I would have lost that influence. I would have lost the ability to communicate Christ to him. I prayed for him. I prayed for his wife. And I think it made a huge impact in his life. I think it definitely made a huge impact in mine. So don't be afraid to let your 
influence for Christ reached the highest levels. Uh, another instance is um, we have a Christmas party every year. And the, uh, our prior um, plant manager asked if we would pray over the, uh, the meal. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> yes, we'll that's pray awesome. over this meal, yeah. you know, and, and that's been a thing that they've done. So there's been influence there. That's why they call it the seven uh, cultural mountains that's for right. a reason. Right. We're supposed to climb the mountain to reach the highest point that we can achieve. It's the potential that every one of us has in us that we seek to fulfill. And so we cut ourselves short. We cut Christ short when we don't reach the potential that you have. That's good. So. Can I say anything? Yeah. Um, exactly like Pastor Chaz says, that it's called a sphere of influence for a reason. Right. It's because it's, it's a sphere. It's a circle. It goes all the way around. Um, there was, I remember one day driving into my current workplace. Um, I'm pulling in, and, and I forget exactly what I think I was listening to Crowder or something. And it was a beautiful. It was one of the first nice days that we had where you could roll your windows down. Um, so in my truck, I got my windows down, the all the windows down, and I am blaring some Crowder. Um, and as I'm pulling in, my boss is getting out of his truck, and I have Crowder blaring in my truck. And we're walking in, and he goes what are you listening to? And I'm like, oh, I'm just listening to, to Crowder. He's one of my um, you know, favorite Christian artists. And he looks at me, he's like, you listen to that contemporary Christian music? Um, he goes, are you rocking for Jesus? And, um, and I was like, yeah. And he just looks at me and he goes, that's awesome. And here to come, you know, my boss, Bino, he grew up Catholic um, and still practices, believes very strongly in God. Uh, and we had a whole hour conversation. It's, it's pretty easy to get him off track. Um, but we had a whole like hour and a half conversation uh, just about different views and, you know, different, different points and, and everything. And we were bouncing ideas off of each other. Uh, on the opposite end of that, uh, being a supervisor, I got... 50 guys and one lady uh, out on the dock that I'm responsible for. And those are 50 people who just by title that they look to me for answers. And that is, um, you know, something that I don't take lightly. Um, it's definitely something that I make sure that anytime any of those folks come and ask me a question that they're treated fairly and with respect. And if they have questions you know, I, I answer them honestly. You know, it's actually kind of funny. Um, a lot of my, my hourly associates call me father now. <laughs> They'll come up to me and say, Father, where do you want me to put this freight? I'm just sitting there like... But um, it's... They know that they can come to me with questions. I've talked to multiple guys who, you know, on the, the outside, these are um, the, the degenerates. We're the outside dogs. We're the people that they don't let inside for a reason. Uh, we have to use the side door for a reason so that we don't, you know, disturb the, the office people upstairs. And they're coming to me asking for, you know, advice about this situation. Um, one guy asked if I would marry him and his fiance. Um, so that spirit influence is just something that you have to be careful with. Um, it's uh, because it, while it is easier to 
um, you know, talk to the people above you because it's not really, you're not going to ruin your relationship with your boss if you say something. If you say the wrong thing to somebody who reports to you or somebody who might be below you, that can very well put them put them in the wrong situation and you can lose a lot of trust. That's good. So a few years ago in the business world, uh, I was uh, working for a company and we were, we were being told that we were going to be sold. And, uh, you know, every other day was a new company was going to buy us and this company was going to buy us and everyone was going to be laid off and everyone was going to be cut. And we went over and over and over this situation. And I remember sitting on the job and uh, while we were on the job, all these people are just coming and going, I don't know what I'm going to do. If I lose my job, if I get cut, I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, uh, it was just a constant barrage of this information and people coming and complaining about this. And so I spent some time uh, during that uh, week to try to calm everyone down and said, listen, what is your job to you? Is your job everything to you? And this is, this is a question I have for them, uh, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more, is, is your job your complete fulfillment? Absolutely not. Amen to that. Corey? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. So, listen, I mean, just because, and I asked that question because this is the thing. Your fulfillment doesn't come from your job. Your fulfillment comes from Christ alone. That's right. And so when we know that and we get fulfilled in him, then our job becomes, we look at our job as something completely different. We no longer look at our job as a J-O-B that I have to go and I have to clock in and clock out and, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. No, my fulfillment comes from my faith. In Christ, and so therefore, I look at my job as an opportunity, as a mission field, as a witness field that I can, uh, as a witness field, that sounds bad, uh, uh, but it is, it's, you're witnessing, but you're sharing your faith with those people around you. But it's an opportunity for you to go there and say, I'm here for you, to be here for someone who may not believe what you believe in, and that's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, want you guys to respond to that in a moment, but I just want to share a story real quick, and that is, uh, a vice president of mine, uh, I had a great relationship with him, and he came into me uh, to my office one day, and he goes, he goes, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, I thought you were. And I said, well, thank you. And I said, well, why did you think so? And he goes, well, you're too nice. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, everyone else, he goes, I, and we're, it happened. We were sent, I sat in my office, and I heard this person opened the door. You could hear them walking up the steps. They're walking up the steps in our office. They're using every F word, every other cuss word that you can think of. And they open up the door. I can hear them yelling and screaming. They stop as soon as they got to my cubicle wall. And they start screaming again as they get past my wall. And, and my vice president looks at me and goes, why are they doing that? And I said, because I told them I don't use that language. And I just asked them if they wouldn't use it around me. And so they actually would do it all the way up the steps. <laughs> Open the door. I could hear them. They'd come to my cubicle wall. They'd stop, walk past my cubicle, and then they'd begin talking again. And he looked at me and he goes, what kind of influence do you have over these people? And I said, I'm not. I, it's no influence. I'm just asking them. And so we began to have a conversation, and, and he asked me, he goes, Where? he goes, are you fulfilled with your job? And I said, no. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, you're telling your boss that you're not fulfilled with your job. And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, why not? And I said, well, I'm not fulfilled with my job because this isn't my life. My life is my home, my kids, my faith, most importantly, and everything else that comes along with it. This is just a place that I come. And he goes, he, he, he ends the conversation by this. He goes, Jason, I want you to do my funeral. <laughs> I said, okay, sure, what a nice thing to ask. But yeah, great, thanks. I'm honored, I guess. You know, hey, I'm honored that you'd ask me to do this. 
Now, I haven't seen him, mind you, in probably eight to 10 years. I talk to him every month. He calls me every month or sends me an email or sends me a letter. Uh, he still writes letters, by the way, but he sends me this letter and he says, you're still do-. He, he ends them all with, you're still doing my funeral. And I haven't seen him in 10 years. And so, uh, Brian, hi, wherever you're at, if you're listening online. Uh, but, you know, we, I have a great relationship with him. He's a great man, and I love that opportunity I have with him. But my fulfillment doesn't come in my job. My fulfillment comes in my faith. But because my fulfillment comes in my faith, I can look at my job or anything else that I do. For those that are here that aren't working a job, it could be anything that you do. You must incorporate yourself and become something more than just that. So do you, have, you want to add to that? Um, I'm going to say something crazy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, that you might think is crazy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Are you um, sure? My workplace is worship. My work is an act of worship. Um, right. What's worship? Worship is honor paid to God. Um, I want my lifestyle at work to be an act of worship. Am I good at it and perfect at it? No, probably not. I mean, I try. But, but when it, you have a mindset of my workplace is worship, then everything changes. So it's easy to worship when you're in the church. We can throw up our hands, we can start singing, we can open up our mouths and honor God with our vocal cords, with our hands waving, whatever we do. But even greater is going to work, having the same attitude of worship, and I'm doing this for Christ. I'm, my work is a reflection of Christ. It's an act of worship. And, um, you know, sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes I lose sight of that. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it needs to be something that I continuously try to, to grow in, really. So, so we, have a, we have a joke every time we walk into the, the building. Uh, somebody will always shout, it's a great day to move freight. And uh, the, the job that I have is... I like my job. Don't get me wrong. It's like a 12-year-old's dream job. You get to drive forklifts around. You get to drive semi-trucks. I get to hop in the trunk and – or the trunk. The truck and honk the horn, the honk the air horn. And by the way, when he does that, he sends me a Snapchat every time he does that. And I'm like, that's not fair. I want to come do that. The job – yeah, all right. <laughs> the job I have is like every 12-year-old's dream job. You get to operate all this machinery and everything. Um, but the way that I view my job, and it's, it's interesting because you can tell people who get, you know, worn out. Uh, I have a, a fellow supervisor I work with who, uh, basically has just been beat down long enough. He's lost the, the drive for what he, he does. And for the longest time he found fulfillment in his job only. And, um, you know, it's funny because I explain what I do to people and they look at me like, dude, your job sucks. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the bottom line is, you know, do I love moving freight? Heck yes, I love moving freight. Um, it's, it's fun. It's, it's everything else. But do I love moving freight so much that I'm going to spend 10 hours in 20 degree weather? Eh, not really. It's pretty cold out there. Um, but by me being able to do this job by God giving me the abilities to do this job. It allows me to do the other things that I truly love doing. I truly love worshiping. I truly love leading worship. I truly love getting to know people. I truly love the relationship that I have with my coworkers. The job aspect of it 
is, in my mind, simply a means to make a living. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys have all heard the saying, it, it takes dollar bills to pay the bills, right? Um, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's pretty difficult to pay your bills being a worship leader, um, especially at a, a small church like this. Um, <laughs> Amen. It's, um, Pastor, I'm going to get to you last because... Um, can get to you last or me last. I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's awfully difficult to pay your bills being an associate pastor of a church this size. It's awfully difficult paying your bills being the senior pastor of a church this size. This size. You know, luckily, we are able to support you know, our pastor and um, are able to allow him to have time to do the ministry that he is called to do. I kind of lost track of my thoughts. I'm just <laughs> rambling now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but yes, your, your work is an act of worship to God. And if you look at it as a means of, you know, moving freight, that's not my fulfillment. Like, do I still get excited at 10 o'clock at night when we have to swing a trailer because the airlines broke? Heck yes. Cause I don't get to drive the forklift enough and that's my time to shine. <laughs> but yeah, my wife doesn't like that very much. <laughs> um, that's not where my fulfillment comes from. My fulfillment comes from, like I said, being able to, to lead worship and uh, being able to do all that other stuff and things. Good. Well, I want to I want to wrap up with this and uh, simply just say this: You're when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you are called into ministry. I don't know if any of you guys understand that or realize that, but. It's not just a pastor who's been called into ministry. It's not just a worship leader. It's not just associate pastor. It's not just elders. It's not just leaders. It's not just uh, children's church. It's not just all of those things. No, as soon as you accept Jesus, you have been given a mission field. You've been given assignment. If we believe the words of Jesus are true, if we believe what he said is true, if we believe scripture is true, then we must apply it to our lives. And that means that we are to go and make disciples of all men and all ladies, including of all people. What that means is that we are supposed to use the influence that God has given to us to influence those that we're at. If a large majority of your time is spent on a job, then the large majority of your worship, the large majority of your uh, sharing your faith is going to happen on your job. There's no way around it. You have to look at it that way. We need today Christians who are willing to step up and say, I want to be a minister on my workforce. I want to be a minister in my workplace. I want to share my faith with people around me. That doesn't mean that you're going to go and you're going to start preaching to them and you're going to open up the Bible and say, listen, it may mean that you start a Bible study at lunchtime. It may mean that you're just nice and, and you care for people and you love people and you say, sure, come and, and, and uh open up with me and, and be open to hear their problems and to, and to pray with them and to do those things with them. That may be what it ends up being. It may be more than that. You may get a chance to walk someone through and accept Jesus on the job on, in your faith. It doesn't matter whether you're a teacher. It doesn't matter whether you work on the dock. It doesn't matter whether you work in the business field or if you work in maintenance building or whatever you do. You have an opportunity to influence people around you because if you are a Christian, you're called to do the best and be the best that you can be, not for the job, not for yourself, but for God because God calls us to do all that we do with all that we can and he will give us the strength to do those things. And so I want to end this 
on this time and this sermon with just the idea that we need people who are fully incorporated with Jesus on their jobs today. The problem with us today, I believe, the, the reason why I believe our faith isn't, isn't as impactful in, in lives around us as what it used to be is because people weren't afraid to share their faith on their jobs years ago. Today, we're afraid to do that. Today, we're afraid to share and, and to be kind, or we've become more incorporated about, I need to do this, I need to do that. I, no, just, just be a reflection of who Jesus is in your life. Be so transparent that when people see you, they see Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus, I'm sure if he, if he worked a job, and he did, I mean, he was a, he was a uh, carpenter, and I'm sure it was the best darn wood and uh, furniture that you could buy. That's why we go to Amish country to buy all our furniture. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is Jesus did the best, I'm sure did the best, everywhere he went, he did the best he could. And he sacrificed himself for other people. He loved other people. That's what we're called to do in the business field. That's what we're called to do on the freight docks. That's what we're called to do in the maintenance uh, area. That's what we're called to be as teachers, as nurses, and, and doctors, and, on, and all of the, whatever your field is. Let's do it the best that we can with all that we can. So will you stand with me Will the worship team come forward, please? This officially marks the end of our Incorporated series. And what I want to end this series with is simply a challenge to all of us. And my challenge to all of us and all of you here today is that when we become and become incorporated, here, go ahead, you can take it back, I'm sorry. When you become incorporated, when Jesus becomes so much part of your life that everything you do becomes an important aspect of your life, then it's going to change. Your life is going to change. You're going to change. Things are going to change. We have to be people that are incorporated with our faith. It's no longer can we have our faith on Sunday mornings and then walk away. That's called being a hypocrite, by the way. The world around us is sure to call us hypocrites. The world around us is sure to tell us these things because they're not seeing ourselves sharing our faith. They're not seeing us walk in our faith on our jobs. They're not seeing us raising our families, being incorporated and having faith. They're not seeing us managing our finances and having our faith change our finances and change the way we handle things, the way that we say things. See, the truth of the matter is, is if we don't incorporate Jesus in all that we're doing, if we don't incorporate Jesus in every aspect of our life, then we're selling him short. We're not selling ourselves short. We're saying that I don't believe in him enough because he's not changing my life enough. And so whether you work a job, or you stay at home and raise your kids, or you're raising your family, or whether you go into a business field, or, or you're a manager, or you're a boss, or you're even just serving food, it doesn't matter what it is. Our lives need to be changed by our faith. And I believe when we incorporate him into our life, when we change the way that we respond to things, when, we, when our faith is so prevalent in our lives that it changes everything around us, I believe the world around us is going to change. I believe when Jesus comes into your life and you begin to raise your family in that way, your family is going to change. I believe when you allow Jesus to come into your heart and change you on the job, your job's going to change. You're going to look at your job in a different light. You're not going to look at it as something I, go, I have to go do. No, this is an opportunity that I can go and I can smile and I can share Christ on my workplace, in my workplace today. I believe 
When Jesus changes everything inside of us, the world around us will change too. But it takes us, it takes each and every one of us, a willing partner, a willing uh, uh, person that's going to say, Jesus, I want you to change all of me because I don't like who I am. I've tried to do all of these things on my own and it doesn't work. And listen, I'm not speaking to any of you. I'm speaking about myself. I've tried to do all of these things on my own. I tried to raise my family without Christ. I tried to work a job without Christ. I tried to do all those things. And guess what? It's really hard to do. And you begin to pound your head into a wall. But when you incorporate Jesus into your life, when you incorporate him into your heart, and you allow him to change all that you are, then everything around you changes. And you begin to have a different perspective on everything. And everything changes. doesn't make it easy. But it changes. You have someone to go through those tough times with, to walk beside you. And so I want to pray for you today as we close out this service. I want to pray that we would all come to a place of incorporating Jesus into our heart. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then maybe today is that day when you feel that tug on your heart where you're saying, Come to me. Just trust in me. Allow me to speak to you. Allow me to help you with those things today. Maybe today could be that day for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity that we can be incorporated with you in all things. That you give us these seven mountains of cultural influence where we can go in and we can change the world around us because we are changing our hearts and we are changing who we are. That you can be so intertwined in everything that we do that our job becomes different. That our finances become different. That our church becomes different. That our government becomes different. That our family becomes different. That our arts and media and entertainment become different. Lord, we thank you that you're here. Father, there may be some that are here today that have never given their life to you before, but they feel you, they hear you, they, they feel that tug. They feel their heart pounding deeper, saying, I need something more than what I have today. I need something more than what I've tried in the past. That's you today. May you just raise up your head to him. Keep your eyes closed. All of us with our eyes closed, just raise up your hand and your head to him and say, Jesus, I accept you for who you are. I may not know you fully yet, but I want to know you. I know that you died on the cross for me and I accept what you did. Come into my heart. Become all that you are for me. Forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. If you're here today and you want to incorporate Jesus more in, what I want to do is I just want to pray for us all that we can see Jesus completely incorporated in all that we are. So let's pray. Father, I again want to come to you and just ask you, Lord, for each and every single person that's here today, may we feel that, that just overwhelming presence of yours in our hearts, in all that we do. Father, may we have wisdom and strength and understanding of how to raise our family in you, how to handle our finances in you, how that... Uh, our church would change in you, how our jobs would change in you, how everything around us would just change with you. Father, incorporate inside of us the love that you have for us today. Help us to follow you. Father, forgive us for being hypocrites. 
Forgive us for not following you when we should have followed you. We praise you today, Father. We lift you high. We ask you all these things in your most glorious and precious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's